Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking credit contradictions, lasagna on layaway, and no more bolt. And we're not going to start reading the obituaries. Usain Bolt, he didn't die, did he? No, no. Okay, I, so. I was about to make a joke about him not dying, but I wanted to make sure that he didn't actually <laughs> die in, be so sad. in recent years, and maybe I overlooked that. No, we are not talking about the world's fastest sprinter, but we will be getting to a story on the Bolt. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you'll have to stick around and see. That's right. Yeah, don't make it easy on him, Matt. So I've got a frugal or cheap for you, Joel, and... I kind of already know the answer here, but would you move for would you move to a new city for over fifteen thousand dollars in incentives? Depends on what city, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, Noblesville, Indiana? Never because heard of it. They, Never heard of it. So there are a bunch of different cities out there who are dangling carrots in front of potential new citizens to mm-hmm. move to their city, to move to certain counties. We're talking about there's like a town in Arkansas that was giving people a mountain bike in addition to like some <laughs> cash, right. right? Yeah, yeah. So there's actually a website that we stumbled across recently. It is makemymove.com and this is actually honestly if you are seriously considering just moving because you don't want to keep living wherever it is that you are living but you yeah. don't really care where you're moving to well check out this website because there might be a town or two that might make it to your short list if you don't care where but, you live at all <laughs> I mean I don't know how many people that would be. I, I could see myself potentially moving to a new town for the adventure of it, yeah. like right out of college, yeah. or like if Kate and I had just gotten married and we're up for some adventure in our lives. It could weigh the scales a little bit, but you certainly don't want to make your decision based solely around this. It makes me think of- That how, would be cheap. Yeah, how people sometimes move, they're like, I'm going to move to a new state because tax rates are lower there. And I'm not saying that that's not a factor that should come into play when you're trying to figure out where you want to live, but- you can overweight that factor and then end up living somewhere you don't love and it makes a difference uh, a grand 
two grand maybe yeah. a year in tax or something like that. And so you, yeah, there's a chance that you might be overthinking how much money this is going to mean in your life if you move to some town and then you're like, wait a second, I don't like it here. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe some of these towns yeah. are really cool. Just do your research first. Go visit whatever. Totally. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them are in the heartland. So if you were planning a road trip, maybe across the country, I don't know, uh, check out this website. Yeah. Maybe you can drive through some of these towns and you might just find your your next new hometown. You certainly but, might. Uh, all right, Joel, this is our Friday flight and that isn't the only story that we're going to cover. It's not really a story. It's just something we came across randomly. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the actual news, the actual headlines that we came across this week and how they pertain to your personal finances. And we're going to touch on housing affordability first, Joel, because it is actually getting more expensive to buy a home. And folks already know that. But it's also getting more expensive to buy a home if you've got great credit. Which is counterintuitive. That's why we call this one credit contradictions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Starting May 1st. So starting on Monday, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they are implementing changes to fees that are called loan level price adjustments, also known as LLPAs. I like a good if, abbreviation, if, Matt. If, if you like your acronyms. <laughs> uh, and not only will this fee lead to closing costs going up for borrowers with great credit, it's also going to significantly decrease closing costs for those with poor credit. And this is just such a bummer to see because basically the FHA, it seems like that they are incentivizing poor behavior or at least penalizing poor behavior less. And I like, I don't necessarily think that this is going to lead to the, the housing bubble and the great recession that we saw, but it feels like a similar story, right? It feels like we're, we might be going in that direction. Uh, but the clearest example of how this might affect closing costs comes from ABC. They crunched the numbers. And let's say you've got a borrower who has a 750 credit score. Uh, they put down 25% for a $400,000 home. Uh, well, that borrower is going to pay 0.375% in fees, totaling just over a thousand bucks. Whereas they used to only pay 0.25% uh, or $750 under the old rules before May 1st. But now let's take that same house, right? 400,000, let's take the same down payment, 25% down. But now let's say it's a borrower with a 650 credit score. Well, they now pay 1.5% in fees totaling $4,500. And this is the big change in, in the rule. But compare that to 2.75% or a little over $8,000 under the old rules. Uh, it has gone down significantly for those who have just credit. That's not yeah. all that great. It seems counterintuitive to us. And really, it's just a small slap on the wrist for those who do have great credit. But it is, it's just a massive boost for those who have not handled their credit well. And it, it really feels like that they are de-incentivizing folks handling their money well. And I've never seen something in my, I don't know, 18 years in the personal finance space that is like penalizing, starts to penalize people more who have great credit. Never seen that happen before. It's always, and we've talked about this, like having great credit is a boon to your financial life in so many ways when it comes to yes. applying for a job, when it comes to getting the best rate on something. There, there's so many reasons to have, when it comes to uh, finding a place to live, get it, signing a lease, right? There's so many reasons to have great credit. And I, don't, I certainly don't think like you should tank your credit score in order to, because you're still going to pay more in fees. But it, it's one of those things. It is counterintuitive. And for a lot of people who say, I worked really hard to to get this credit score up to snuff. Well, sadly, you're going to be paying a little bit more fees when you buy a home or if you buy a home. And, and the truth is, though, you're still paying less in fees overall if your credit score is great. 
that bears repeating. But uh, yeah, we'll see how this actually plays out in the market. Uh, but I want to, uh, on the note of borrowing, Matt, and borrowing incentives, some le- lenders are offering a new type of auto loan that maybe we should discuss. It's a, a green auto loan. And we think you're going to start seeing these marketed more regularly in the coming years and months. They're the same as regular old car loans, but if you're buying a green vehicle, so basically like an EV, a plug-in EV, something like that, you can snag a lower rate, maybe around half a point lower than what you'd get buying a, a gas-powered car. But given what's happened with interest rates, car loans suck. They're really expensive right now. And so the average interest rate on a new car, uh, you're getting something close to 8% on the open market. And the average rate on a, a used car that you're going to pay when you if you finance it is going to be in the 11 to 12% range. That's if you have good credit. And so sure, if you buy an EV, you might score a slightly lower rate, maybe half a point less or something like that. But it doesn't make it that much better. And so yeah, is this like maybe one helpful thing if you're buying uh, going electric or something like that to pay less uh, a better interest rate on that loan sure but still we just don't really like the idea of financing vehicles at all yeah well because you're still financing a depreciating asset which isn't our favorite thing to do this is a, a double whammy you're paying in interest every single month and by the way the value of that asset is decreasing so maybe just avoid all auto loans you know even the green ones out there if at all possible yeah um, and if you don't think you can pay cash for a good used car well we'll link to Kelly Blue Book's list of the 10 best used cars that you can score for under ten thousand dollars but it's no surprise that uh, Toyota and Honda, they basically took the top five spots. Not only are they reliable, but they're just uh, affordable as well. You can get a a nice used one. Uh, And by the way, while we're talking about specific cars, we alluded to this in the headline, but Chevrolet, Chevy, they uh, they killed the bolt. So no longer is there like a new affordable entry-level electric vehicle out there on the market. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be your last year to buy one, mm-hmm. basically. They're not making them next year. They're trying to make room in that factory to build electric trucks, yeah. which I get it. I get it, bummer. but still. I mean, well, that, that's where the profits are. So the yeah. reason they're doing this is because there's much more margin when it comes to larger vehicles, which they can charge more for, or yeah. luxury electric vehicles, which is, I mean, they're completely dominating the market, but it means... That it's basically a luxury good in order yeah. to switch to a, an electric vehicle. It stinks for cost-sensitive consumers who want to go EV because the Bolt was kind of the only game in town at that really cheap price point. And it still, by the way, qualifies for that full federal tax credit. So if you're like, oh, I'm, I really do think the Bolt's going to be the car for me, <laughs> we'll just know that it might not be the car for you next year because they're not going to make any more new versions of it. <laughs> so you might have to pounce sooner rather than later. But let's talk about investing for a second, Matt. More companies are launching 401ks for workers, which is great news. Like more people have access to a retirement account through their workplace than ever before. It's and that's largely because it's never been easier and cheaper to provide retirement benefits for your employees, even if you're a small business owner who has just a few employees, even if you're small potatoes. And uh, so just to, for uh, people who are listening out there who are small business owners and you're like, oh, I haven't done that yet. I, I probably should offer that perk to my employees. I would love to be able to, uh, you might be able to retain better talent, keep people around if you're offering them some sort of retirement account. But maybe you thought it was too expensive to to go in that direction, too expensive to, to offer that uh, benefit. Well, Guideline is one of the best low-cost places to do it. You can literally be spending less than 100 bucks a month, depending on the number of employees you have, to offer that perk. And so that's a place to, to start looking. Um, and if you have a couple people working for you, 
And again, if you want to keep them, this is one of those things you might want to offer this benefit. If you're losing talent, this is a way to help retain them at least. And uh, I'm starting to hear, Matt, that, that some companies are becoming less generous, by the way. They're, they're cutting the match that they offer. Like one of my friends, he works at a place and they, they uh, just stopped offering a, a 401k match on that retirement account. So he's trying to figure out what should he do, right? And I basically told him, hey, you might want to start socking money into your Roth IRA first and uh, then start putting money in the 401k after you've maxed that hmm. out. But also, you might want to start looking for another job. I think those, yeah. you know, it, it, it could be a bad sign for that business, for that particular company. And you might be able to make more income and snag a retirement match at the same time if you kind of mosey on down the road. Yeah. So even though generally speaking, more companies are offering more benefits to their employees like 401ks, anecdotally, that doesn't mean that everybody is expanding those offerings. But generally speaking, uh, we are seeing this trend. Uh, More retirement options are being offered to employees. And the good news is that more employees are taking the bait. They are actually utilizing and participating in these 401ks which makes sense. Uh, there's actually been a 15% increase in the amount of folks who have been socking away money within these workplace retirement accounts over the past 15 years. That's going to be a stat that'll be easy for me to remember. 15 and 15. <laughs> and so there are a few reasons for this increase, though. First of all, education. More folks know what 401ks are at this point in time, right? I mean, the, the, basically, the longer they've been around, the more folks are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know what those are. But two, automatic enrollment. When the default option is that you are going to start investing once you get higher here, obviously, you're going to see more folks participating in it. But three, target date funds, uh, which means these are funds that folks are able to pinpoint towards a year far off into the future. And then the portfolio composition, essentially, it gets rebalanced over the years. So this all comes from new data from Vanguard. And it just screams to me that if we can just make investing simple for people, that they'll do the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like we don't talk a whole lot about target date funds, honestly, uh, within retirement accounts because they're not technically the absolute best choice. Depending on what age you are and what your goals are, yeah. they might be the best choice. Yeah, they're, they're up there. They're up there, but oftentimes they have they do have higher fees. Yeah. But guess what? They might be the good enough choice, right? Yes. Because if if you have the options of on one hand you've got the perfect choice that nobody takes advantage of, but on the <laughs> other hand you have a pretty dang good option that everybody participates in. Well, we're going to opt for the the good enough option yeah. every single time. That's behavioral finance, right there. Like, yeah, absolutely. Choosing the thing that most people are actually going to do, and that's what we're as seeing. opposed to what they should be doing, right? Because that's one. Yes. That's what behavioral psychology and behavioral finance recognizes is that we are not perfectly rational beings. Yeah. We oftentimes make the best decisions uh, for ourselves. We make the decisions that are in our best interest, but not always. Like, <laughs> sometimes a lot of make, times we make some dumb decisions. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes we want the best thing in the short term that's not best for the long term. Exactly. Like eating a whole tub of ice cream or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> never done that myself, but I'm sure, Matt, you have. Maybe. With, with a fork. Yeah, that's all, <laughs> with a fork. Sometimes <laughs> with a spork. Who knows? But, do, you ever, do you ever do that? Do you, like, scrape the ice cream out of the, the ice no, cream? Like, you can do it with a thing with, with a fork. Why would you have to do it with a fork? I don't know. I like doing it with a fork. I like going <laughs> around the edge as you're holding it because if you're not going to admit to yourself that you're going to actually serve yourself up some ice cream what yeah. you do everybody out there knows this you hold the ice cream container the carton in your hand and it kind of starts to warm the ice cream around the edges and so you're able to use a fork and kind of scrape it around the edges and you, you work your way down you're the king of have you never done information now no? okay if you have done this and you're listening to the words coming out of my mouth please reach out to how to money to let me know that i'm not alone and if not <laughs> 
I'm just going to like, uh, I don't if know. not, I'm just going to get depressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're all alone in your ice cream eating ways. All right. Well, yeah. So it's good Enough news. about that. It's good news that more people are using 401ks and it's yeah. good news that people are using target date funds, even though they might not be our absolute favorite. They're still a really awesome choice for so many people. Um, but speaking of kind of what investments you choose, let's talk about stock picking for a second, Matt. Everybody who's listened for any amount of time to the show knows that we are not fans of stock picking, of investing in individual stocks. And the reason is because even active managers uh, who, that's their job, that's their day job, is to outperform the market by investing in particular stocks, they continue to underperform the index funds that you and I, that we keep recommending like clockwork on this show. And last year, when the market tanked by 20%, it was a great opportunity for stock pickers to show their brilliance. And yet, it's your time to shine. Boys. I know. Come on. Hey, the market's like uh, plummeting. How are you able to at least lose less than what's happening in, in the market as a whole? But the majority of those managers, they lost money in the market that year. They lost more than what the index funds lost. And the stats only get worse over a longer timeline. The longer you give it, the worse active fund managers tend to perform. Over five year, uh, a five-year time period, 86% of them underperform. Over 10, it's 91%. And over 20 years, it's 95%. So that is a startling statistic. If, mm-hmm. you're, if you're planning on investing for a couple of decades, uh, low-cost index funds are a brilliant way to go. They are the best way to go, unless you find that 5% slice that's somehow better. But how are you going to know ahead of time? You might not know until it's too late. And as an ongoing Morningstar study demonstrates, they did this years ago, Matt, and then they did a recent follow-up. They have found consistently that fees, or lack thereof, are the best indicator of future returns. Morningstar, who rates funds with star levels, they have even stated (laughs) in the past, they have said, you know what matters more than the star ratings we give the funds? Fees. (laughs) That is... Has the biggest impact. That has the biggest impact. And so it's not a bad idea to have a, a, a fund or invest in a fund that is highly rated by Morningstar, but only if it also comes with low fees, because that... That's the hinge point. That's the most important factor. Yeah, that's the only guaranteed rate that you can expect, or in this case, expect to pay. But we've got some additional stories, some additional headlines, Joel, that we're going to get to during this episode. We're going to touch on repair cafes, what they are and why. You should probably check one out. We'll get to that, plus other stories right after this. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wise friend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Matt, the Friday flight keeps rolling. Let's move on. And of course, we always got to get to the ludicrous headline of the week. This one comes from Fast Company, and the headline reads, Americans are choosing lottery tickets and maybe even fortune tellers over financial planners. <laughs> I read that, and I was like, must read. <laughs> What's going on there? Fortune tellers? Really? Like You always love a headline with maybe yeah. as well. <laughs> well they're, <laughs> couching, like... <laughs> they're couching it a little bit, which makes sense given the, the data that we see inside of it. But there's this new study from Empower, which used to be Personal Capital, which is a great uh, website, especially if you want to track your net worth. And they found that 71% of Americans have purchased a lottery ticket and 24% of millennials have gone to see a fortune teller. So, question to you. That kind of blows my mind. It does. Have you ever been to see a fortune teller? No. Okay, me neither. Yeah, not even like, was it uh, a Tom Hanks movie, Big? You know, with like the, was, oh, it, yeah. Zo- was it, what was his name? Like Zozo or something oh, like that? Oh, yeah, it's so been so long. Like his mouth it. opens and closes. Yeah. <laughs> you have to like get the coin in there. Yeah. I mean, I see like the tarot card readers and uh-huh. stuff, and I see the palm readers, and I've just, I've never done it. I've never ventured in. Yep. Not interested. I ain't buying it. But only 33% of people have actually spoken to a financial planner. And which, I was kind of surprised that the Which we can actually high. get a little more behind. Right. But even still, it's kind of like, well, there's a few caveats on whether you need to go see a financial planner. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've kind of talked about that before on the show, too. But this survey just had so much interesting data and information about the lack of personal money knowledge that most folks have. Mm. Half of people are unaware what their net worth is. They have no idea. And 62% said they don't talk about money. 
at all, <laughs> like huh. ever. And so, um, I don't know. It just goes to show that America's personal finance problems are persistent. If we're trusting, uh, if we'd rather buy lottery tickets and see uh, a palm reader than talk about money with a friend, that that to me shows a pervasive problem. Well, yeah, th- yeah. The sixty-two percent of folks who don't talk about money seems to be a red flag because honestly, the more we refuse to talk about money, the more likely I think we are going to be to make mistakes, screw things up <laughs> when it comes to the money that we're making or the money that we're spending. Uh, this is a, a goal of ours. This is a, a major goal of the podcast to get that conversation started. You know, like we want listeners to not only feel comfortable with how it is that they handle their money, but they they should also feel energized to talk about it with other folks, right? With either their friends or to talk about it with their family or even to actually become a resource, not to just talk about it, right? To actually further them along within their personal finance journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not even that more people need to be actually going to see a financial planner, you know? Like in most cases, I think folks would be better off just talking with a less expensive financial coach, somebody who can, who is addressing that behavioral side of things like we just talked about from the, the behavioral psychology Give me standpoint. some of the, the nuts and bolts, not the higher level stuff, but just some of like the rubber meets the road. Here's how you handle money on a yeah. daily, weekly basis. And specifically the accountability. Are you doing the, say, the yeah. things that you say you want to do? Sort of like having a coach in the gym who is pushing you to do the things that you were so fired up to do when you first showed up, <laughs> the first day you uh, walked into that gym. Yep. But, you know, by day 60, day 90, you're maybe less thrilled to do those yeah, things. I'm going to say, I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say that paying for a couple hours of time with that financial coach, specifically a financial coach, will go a lot further than paying for a visit to a fortune teller. And I don't know, maybe sure. I'm wrong. Maybe Ooh. I'm on a limb and I'm sawing myself <laughs> off and someone's going to go to a fortune teller and they're going to you know, become rich because of it. But it seems to me that one of those is a waste of money and one isn't. I completely agree, dude. A, a cheaper alternative, by the way, is one of those magic eight balls. Those things are still cool. Or you can just listen to, continue listening to How to Money. <laughs> Either one, one <laughs> of the two, or both. Uh, by the way, Wirecutter, they had a great story on how there are more repair cafes than ever before. And repair cafe, that's not necessarily a generic term or a generic place. This is a specific global organization and they've got these free meeting places where folks can come together, where they can learn how to fix their stuff rather than toss it into the trash. And so if you are uh, a DIY frugal type, then these cafes are going to be your new favorite place. They should become like a your new third place. Do you get a latte while you're there? No. Uh, I think some of them. It depends. So they're hosted by different other, oftentimes, nonprofits. Okay. So like a tool bank might set up shop as a repair cafe and they're, they become affiliated with the actual repair cafe organization. But of course, if you opt to visit a repair cafe, you're going to be able to save a lot of money. But this is good for the environment as well, right? Like we're talking about less junk in the landfills, less emissions going into to making new items out there that you might buy. We'll make sure to link to their map so that you can find a repair cafe near you. Uh, but what's so great, I think, about these volunteer-run spots is that when you watch someone else making a repair, you're literally able to see how it's actually done, which I think can be incredibly empowering, right? Like you see somebody repair something and you think, oh, is that all there is to it? <laughs> I thought there was some sort of alchemy, some sort of magic involved when it comes to repairing my phone or repairing a coffee maker or something like that. But with that newfound empowerment, I think you'll be pumped to take on your next repair on your own. It makes me think about investing. Like this is not an overly complicated thing. You don't need to pay for advice. If you mm-hmm. know that what I need to pay attention to are fees, it's really that. It's 
something that's low cost, so low fees, and something that's widely diversified. But oftentimes we build it up in our minds so much, and we feel like we need expert advice on so many things. And it's not that some things we don't. Like I think cars have gotten more complicated, right, with computers they and such. They absolutely have. And so it's it's a little bit easier to work on an, on an older vehicle, let's say your '90s car, than it is to work on like a brand new one. Especially when you're talking about, I mean, you get updates via Wi-Fi on the Teslas now, right? But it's it, still there are a lot of other things that we could repair. We build it up on our minds. We make it seem impossible. And so we don't do it. So I do like this repair cafe suggestion, Matt. And I think yeah, they're a lot really of how, cool. how many listeners would do well to check one out. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look them up too, because they're going to have specialty tools on hand as well. So when it comes to actually repairing your stuff, that's a good point. Like you need those tools in order to actually get the job done. Yeah. And the volunteers will have more experience, right? Which means they're able to more successfully repair more complex items like laptops or printers. I think jewelry and stand mixers, like a bunch of different things. But and if you don't have a repair cafe location near you, check out their tips and tricks page, which has some helpful guides on how you can maintain and repair a lot of common items that you've got at your house. And specifically, when it comes to electronics like phones and tablets, we'd highly recommend checking out this website, ifixit.com. They've got tens of thousands of free manuals for just as many devices. And of course, they're selling the parts that you're gonna need, so there's the catch, but it can still be a much more affordable alternative, plus you're able to reduce waste. So Matt, you've like replaced uh, phone screens that have been cracked, stuff like that, with help from iFixit. Absolutely. It's a great resource for people who say like, now there's like a a screen repair shop, it seems like on every corner, Mm -hmm. but they're gonna charge a whole lot more than what you could do by DIYing it. Yeah, and a lot of times when you buy the parts from iFixit, they'll include like the little, I forget what they call them. They got like this, the little levers that you use, they have special names. Those little blue tools or like whatever. Like sponges or something, sponges or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. But they're just little levers that don't damage the actual electronics. But I've said this before. I feel like the ability to change the screen on your iPhone is the millennials version of changing your own oil. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's something that kind of happens on a fairly regular basis. And if you have the experience and you've done this before, this is a way that you can definitely save some money. Yeah. And, and like you see the oil change places on every other corner. Like you said, Joel, you are seeing the, yeah, f- <laughs> the, the phone repair spots pop up on, on every other corner. Which, by the way, one of the mo- best ways to prevent that screen cracking is to have a decent case on Just it. Just get a stinking case yeah. on your phone. I, I learned that the hard way <laughs> earlier this year. Uh, okay, but if you don't have a single DIY bone in your body, there are sites out there like sellcell.com. That's S-E-L-L-C-E-L-L. Sell, sell. You get it. I get uh, it. <laughs> they make it easy to get some cash for your phone. You can even uh, sell your old gadgets to Walmart, as they now have this. Uh, they call it the Gadgets to Gift Cards program, and we're all for any company out there that's making it easier to turn your unused electronics into something that you'll actually use. Yeah. Um, and so, speaking of waste, we actually talked with Frankie Salenza, the chef, earlier this week about cooking good meals on a budget, uh, and he quickly mentioned the insane problem that food waste poses to our budget. Well, there's new data that came out this week showing that we're generating more, quote unquote, surplus food in this country than ever before. Uh, Here's the shocking stat. Uneaten food represents about 38% of the total food supply in 2021. So I think Frankie, he was based, maybe basing his numbers on 2019 or 2020 numbers. He said around a third. We're, we're, we're pushing 40% now yeah. when it comes to food and money that we're wasting out of our food budget, our grocery budget. But inflation, it's made groceries cost more, which sucks. But we are our own worst enemies on the food front here. So meal planning, uh, e- actually eating your leftovers, these are the biggest antidotes to actual food waste. 
And by the way, I, w- I want to address something real quick here too that uh, Frankie brought up during that interview. We didn't really touch on it because we didn't really want to get in the weeds. Oh, was it, it the broccoli thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the broccoli. He thing. told me about it afterwards. He was, he was talking about how he's like, "Hey, broccoli's got more protein in it than steak does," and that's only kind of true. Uh, like if you have a last plate- time we have Frankie on the show, <laughs> well, I didn't want to like call him out. And again, it was it's just like a nerdy thing. But like if you have a plateful of broccoli and you have another plate right next to it, same size, and on it, you've got a steak, you're going to have way more protein coming out of that steak than you are broccoli. There is only more... More pro- flavor, too, let's be honest. <laughs> There's only more protein in broccoli if you're um, like if you're basing it like on a per-calorie basis, because broccoli, okay. it obviously doesn't have very many calories. And so, to equal the same amount of protein, though, that you would get out of a single steak, you'd have to eat a boatload of broccoli. <laughs> like it's, it's sort of like the... Like, have you heard the joke? Or it's not a joke. It's like a riddle. Like, what's heavier, a ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? It's uh, like, no, tell me. It's the same. You're talking literally. You're talking about a ton. A ton. Oh, that's and so, yeah, like, you would just need more feathers in order to equal a ton. Think of the feathers in this case as the broccoli, gotcha. and the bricks in this case is the steak. So yeah. technically, it's true. Eat both in combo, and you're getting there. You go. The protein you go. and the overall health you need. I yeah, guess. I'm not yeah. saying you should only be eating steak, but yeah. I, you know, I just want to make sure our, our listeners out there have the right info. That's there you all. Go. I like it. Well, okay. So you're talking about throwing away food. How that yes is driving up our overall food costs, and of course, prices on groceries have gone up because of inflation, it's not been easy to save money at the grocery store. And so what a lot of people are doing, Matt, I saw this week, that they're buying groceries on an installment plan. And we have talked about buy now, pay later, and how much we dislike it as a method of purchasing things. But now it's made it into the grocery space, which means that a growing segment of folks are buying potatoes, tomatoes, broccoli, steak in monthly installments. And that's just... Horrific, I Potatoes. Think. <laughs> you, you remember that line from no. Lord of the Rings? Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Oh, uh, there you go. Samwise. There you, all right. <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch it. Okay. Right. It's been a while. But uh, a new survey from LendingTree finds that one in five Americans are using one of the buy now, pay later services, like Affirm, Klarna, Afterpay, to buy groceries. And these buy now, pay later companies are making billions of dollars in loans each and every quarter. And individuals are getting way too used to being payment buyers for everything. You know, buying a, a pair of jeans in four installments, Matt, that's bad enough. We don't like that. But buying your food via buy now, pay later is taking this uh, buying trend to a whole new level. And I just never would have imagined we would have seen the day where people would be going into into debt like that to buy just staple goods uh, and, or, or, or putting it on payments yeah. over the cr- across months. I mean, it, it really... It's payments for something that literally you have consumed that is gone. Obviously, it's brought you some nutrition, but like literally by the time you're making that first or second payment you may not even have that item on hand anymore yeah. <laughs> like that's what's so crazy is it's something that's so far removed from you actually being parted with your money and it's just so easy to get into financial trouble using bnpl thinking that oh well, why not it's no interest I'll, I'll get i'll just pay this across four easy payments and it's just so easy to rack up a bunch of different payments that way really losing track of what you're spending exactly yeah that's one of the downsides as well the inability to stay organized when it comes to the different payments that you owe on because they're all scattered. It's it's scattershot. It's not like you have a singular card that you are putting all of your charges on. So in short, avoid buy now, pay later, especially when it comes to your groceries. But before we wrap our Friday flight, we do have a newsletter referral shout out. This is to Kendall M. Referred the newsletter along to multiple friends 
videos of hers. Kendall, we really appreciate you not only reading the newsletter, but letting others know about the, just the financial knowledge that they need to know about. If you have not yet signed up for the How to Money newsletter, head over to howtomoney.com forward slash newsletter. It's free, comes out once a week. And actually, so this coming Tuesday, we're gonna be celebrating our one year newsletter-versary. And <laughs> with a giveaway. With a, yeah, we're gonna have a, a special, everyone's favorite special giveaway. You can look forward to that one. So make sure to sign up for the newsletter if you are not yet signed up. That's right, howtomoney.com slash newsletter. It's great. You should be a part of it. But Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Mm -hmm. I hope everybody out there has an awesome weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for a listener questions episode. We've got some good content for you next week. But that's going to do it. Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today.